Hi everyone and happy new year. If this is the first time that you're joining us in 2024, my name is Hugo and I'm the host of GearZ, the sim racing podcast. We've been starting the year with a banger, having Aiden and Andy Aries on the podcast, where Aiden talks us a little bit about his journey from sim racing to rallycross. And next week, we're going to have the world champion of Formula Illuma, Antonio Felix Acosta, where he's going to talk to us about motorsport, sim racing, and we will be joined by Random Callsign. The podcast is evolving towards a more real-life interaction, a little bit outside of the sim role. So I want to provide a platform for young drivers that want to jump from sim racing to the real motorsport. So I think this is the best way they can do it. They can dive on our episodes, they can use it to connect to sponsors and, you know, for me to have a little bit of more knowledge of what go inside of the sim racing world and inside of the motorsport. The same thing go to the people that are professional drivers. I want them to come to the podcast and feel free to talk about sim racing, talking about motorsport and talk a little bit about all the challenge from both roles. But now let's dive into the today's podcast featuring three essential segments. You're going to talk again about the videos of the community, Steam numbers from December 2023, and same hot topics with John Morrow. The first one has to be Rob Clark that brings us the perfect FOV guide for sim racing. Probably you never listen about Rob Clark as he has a small channel like mine, around the 400 followers. But Rob tackled the tricky and pragmatic topics of field of view FOV in sim racing. His video explained seat position, monitor angles and much much more. The video is very simple, very well elaborated and kudos to Rob for delivering top quality content and a difficult topic to always talk. The next one has to be Lab Broker Sim Racing, my honest takes on Automobilista 2 Le Mans update. Lab Broker provides a consistent and intuitive review of Automobilista 2 always and is a channel that's been involving a lot, reaching already almost 10,000 followers. You can see on these videos it is evolution, with a better scripting, better editing skills and it deserves your follow and more love for this content. Project Sim Racing, this new stage is RBR, is ultra realistic, Fanatec, CSLDD. He's not a new person. Project Sim Racing already have around 77,000 followers on YouTube, but he keeps showcasing and immersing Sim Reef experience and give us that immersion that we gonna talk after on our hot topic. So this time he bring the Richard Byrne Rally new stage that keep increasing and keep push the boundaries on the game that already have surpassed the 20 years. It's really good to know that the community keep pushing the game forward and of course have a look on this amazing video. Four left, don't cut, into three right, Titans, don't cut, 100, four right, don't cut, 40. Remember you can always show your support by liking and following these talented YouTubers. Just follow the links that I will provide to you on the description of the videos, be on audio or on the video platform. And now let's take a peek at the Steam numbers from December 2023. They are both surprises and expecting downturns on player activity. You already expect BMNG to be always on the top. Forza Horizon 5 had one of the biggest increase and reached the peak of all the platform. Remember that these numbers are only for Steam on the PC. So Forza Horizon 5, My Summer Car, Need for Speed and Bound F and Automobilista have reached more than 44%. I was expecting, to be fair, 
that a Central Corsa with the LFEM will be reached even higher, but I think they're going to reach more higher now on the month of January and on the next month of February. I think there we are really going to have the peak, but still 19,000 players is really, really good. In terms of Automobilista, the 1.5 been really changing what the game is. 44.3 on increase, reaching now 2.5 thousand players is really well and quite surprised for Forza Horizon keep increasing at 21.88. But that's December, we know December is when sim racers always go inside of the house and when you are inside of the house, sim racing come to you more often. What's go up, go down and track mania 58.6 degrees, now reaching a peak of 1.7 thousand players, no well. Surprise for WR7, still one of the most played games, with 46.5 degrees reaching 2000 players. Have a look on that number because it's going to be important. But yeah, the biggest flops for this month of December have to be F123 and Forza Motorsport with a down decrease of 25% of each one. While F123 still peaking at 7.4 thousand players, really what is really good in terms of numbers comparing with other platforms, the game being suffered a little bit for what is happening with the F1 Sim Racing Championship, F1 Sim Racing, whatever that you want to call. You see a lot of the gamers now, or the people that was content creators for the game, moving a little bit to other type of games, so probably that can affect a little bit, or probably it's just the people already fed up with the game. But the biggest have to be always Forza Motorsport. While the decrease of 25 is not alarming, the picking numbers are really, really alarming with 1.185 thousand players only. Of course, we are not talking about the Xbox numbers. We don't know what's happened with the Xbox. But you need to remember that this is a Game Pass Pro game. This is a AAA game delivered only three months ago. So to just have this peak is really alarming and show that the devs need to take a little bit more insights of what the sim racing community want. Forza Horizon 5, still one of the biggest games and is a game from the same company. So probably we need to have a look in which way we need to change Forza Motorsport, which way we need to do it better. Of course, that single career mode is uh, a collapse, you know, with that type of drive the car for be able to evolve the car that I would say that's not the way that we want to do when it comes to racing games Forza Motorsport need to do better the online is not increasing they should do much better for a that have that's still just a baby but that's everything for what we summarize in terms of the positive and negative in the racing games on the Steam during December 2023 When you're talking about support, you can do that by hit the like button and give us a following. We have the goal to reach 1000 subscribers on the YouTube platform in 2024. You can still helping us on any audio platforms as you've been giving us. And this year we want to go from the 25,000 downloads to the 300,000 downloads. I know that with your, your help, I can do it. So please guys, keep hitting the five stars. Let us know what you feel on the episode by scrolling up and leaving a comment remember we support gamers beat cancer every quarter of the year so submitting half of that earnings by the patreon to them so please keep supporting us on that way and a huge thank you to all our patreon members
Once again, I'm being joined by John Morrow to talk about sim racing or topics. The topic of today is going to be immersion versus realism, which way you can obtain it, which way you prefer having your immersion. So let's jump on it. John, welcome back to the show once again. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, I really enjoyed our last chat. So looking forward to getting stuck in this week. Yeah, for this week, the topic is immersion and uh, how can we obtain immersion or as you say, immersion versus reality. So what is your hot takes on that? Oh, um, first of all, I don't think you need a huge amount of fancy equipment to get immersed in sim racing because I think there's different types of immersion. There are mm -hmm. immersion in terms of realistic feelings from the sim that you're driving on, from the way the car's handling, the force feedback through your wheel, and there's something immersive about a realistic feeling. Then you've also got kind of sensation-based immersion, which is, you know, whether that's motion, VR, being able to move your head and look to places, wind in your hair, um, all of these things also can add to immersion. Um, yeah. And then you've just got the the realistic nature of racing itself. The, the, being in the middle of a competitive race, uh, a proper online race against quick drivers and being right in the thick of a battle is an immersive experience anyway. So it, you've got to kind of, I guess, draw the lines between what's realistic and what's immersive. But the at the end of the day, there are so many different ways of obtaining immersion within the world of sim racing. So it's, yeah, it, it's, it, there's so many different facets to this. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a huge topic, you know, when we start going to immersion, depending a lot on person to person, no? But uh, what I want to, to emphasize is, you think our sense, like uh, uh, the vision, as you talk about VR or uh, the sound, have a huge impact better than the quality of the material that we, we have? Well, it's interesting because I, when I first tried VR um, at a motor show years and years ago, it was just absolutely mind-blowing and incredible. Like the very first time you ever experience VR, especially if it's in a sim racing setting in a simulator, is genuinely mind-blowing. And that is just an incredible feeling of immersion. But obviously, once you get used to it, and if you do a lot of sim racing, you kind of begin to, f you, you begin to just see it as another way of viewing the game. It's, you know, it, it mm -hmm. becomes part of the game. You, you lose that initial spark of, wow, this is different. This is crazy. And you just kind of get used to it in the same way that you get used to 4K when, when, when uh, HD changes to 4K. You just, at yeah, first exactly. it's amazing. And then it continues to be amazing, but you get comfortable and used to it. And it then just begins to feel like normal. Um, so yeah, like the, the interesting one for me, I worked in a VR sim center for a couple of years in Glasgow and they were running Project Cars 2 primarily with VR headsets, motion systems, wind generation, all of these things. And even though it was Project Cars 2, which is, you know, it's a sim, but I would say it's more of an accessible sim. It's not what people would call a hardcore sim that gives yeah. you exact realism and all these things. But even that was incredibly immersive when you added everything else to it. So I don't think you need the sim to be the most, you know, the, the number one in terms of full realism to be immersed. But maybe then with those kind of sims, you need a bit more of the fancy toys, the, the motion and the VR yeah. and the wind and all these things can help more. But but you definitely don't need everything to feel immersed. And, and in terms of the evolution of the immersion uh, on, on markets, you think is even we can even progress even more or we already going to already achieve everything possible? No, I think the biggest hole for me is the quality of VR headsets. And they have been getting better. But when, when VR mm -hmm. first came about, especially for me, someone with glasses, 
it was really, really difficult to actually get the most out of a VR headset um, because the resolution's just not there or wasn't there. It's, yeah. it's definitely getting better because the more modern headsets I've tried, they're really, really getting there. But we're still a long way away from crystal clear 4K resolution in a VR headset. And I, I'm not an expert, so I do not know, uh, the, you know mm-hmm. the timescale or whether this is even possible given you know the technology and the shape of it, the size of it and all this. Um, a phone speaker, for example, is they've still not managed to make a phone speaker that's as good as fancy headphones. But that is the one thing that I think could really move the game along. Uh, you know, a VR headset that, that actually gives you that 4K looking resolution um, in whatever way that comes. It might take 20 years. It might never happen. But for me, that would for sure push the immersion um, to the next level. And then it's just a case of, you know, finding ways to help people who, who have uh, discomfort when using VR headsets as well. Because I think... The, you know, immersion itself, VR is a big part of in terms of an extra thing you can really add to. Um, but for most people, you just you don't need it because it's not good enough to need it yet. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you on a part of the the VR uh, quality. I think is getting it's getting somewhere. But like you, I have glasses uh, a couple of times. I need to use because my eyes get tired, so I need to use glasses. And uh, when I play VR, I have to put uh, glasses. And yeah, you sweat a lot, and I feel that. Our, our eyes are so near the screen, it's going to be very difficult for probably we have that clear image. Uh, I think it's too, can be too yeah. abrasive to, for our eyes. But in other way, I think with Apple, I don't know why, with Apple jumping on the VR with that uh, Apple Vision or something, normally they tend to turn something that is already working and make it a little bit better way so uh, like Elgato when they pick up uh, teleprompters or uh, webcams they always make them something that's already working better so I think probably Apple can do something completely different on VR and make it better but I don't know one of the things for me that in nostalgia uh, sorry in um, immersion is nostalgia do you think that nostalgia have a huge impact on the way that we immerse ourselves in the game? Oh, I definitely think so. I, I think nostalgia gives you, it's emotion. It's a, it's a very strong emotion when you start playing an old game. Yeah. And, you know, when you associate a sound or a sight to a memory or something, there's a huge amount of immersion because you can you can almost like taste what you tasted that day or or you can hear sounds that you heard 10 years ago. And that for me, that's an immersive trait. It's a bit of a difficult thing to, to really hone in on um, for sure. But there, there are definitely some ties there. Um, you know, I, I still have, uh, you know, I remember when I first did my, uh, when I first ever did a race on iRacing, I can still remember exactly what it felt like, even though I was using a wheel with no force feedback, 90 degree rotation, I had it on my desk and I, you know, I, I still remember that super immersive competitive feeling of, of actually being a racing driver in an online competitive environment for the first time. Um, and when I think back on that, that, that I have a, a huge sense of, like nostalgia and a good memory but also yeah i can essentially immerse myself in that memory um so yeah i think there's definitely links but it's a bit of um yeah it's a bit of a tricky one because there's so many different angles you can look at it from and i think nostalgia you know nostalgic feelings are one of the most important feelings for sim racers in general regardless of the immersion factor you know we all want to go back and drive our favorite cars or remember our favorite moments or great races and stuff like that so yeah there's lots of ties yeah, I, I say this one because, for example, the, I think the biggest example in sim racing community is GP Labs, where he, every time he, he, he go to a, 
uh, old sim or whatever the sim they play, he always have a wheel that's going to bring him that resembles what car he's driving. And after you feel that he em em embraced himself on the most simple system possible, steering wheel, uh, a, sh a shifter, and brake, and he feels that he's living the, the race. So that's why I say, because I feel sometimes that people spend so much money to get immersive and forgot our, just to have that vision, you know, uh, and forgot that's for probably the best thing for getting immersion is our, our brain. So do you use all, all your five senses when, you, when you're driving a sim racing to get immersive or are you just depending on the sound and on the vision? Oh, that, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think it could depend on the situation and how. I think it it depends on your mindset as well. Like, if you go into okay. a situation, are you just are you just going into it to have a bit of a race online, have a drive, have a chat with friends, or are you going into it to really, you know, try and replicate something that feels immersive, try and really get into the flow of it? Um, and I, it takes me back to being a kid because I, when I was younger. I used to try my best to pretend I was doing something that that was realistic. So maybe when I was 12 years old racing on like, you know, Kellogg's Grand Prix or some sort of racing <laughs> game like that, I would always try and make all, put all the real names of the drivers in there, put all of the, you know, realistic settings, do full Grand Prix lens, even though I always crashed out on lap four. But I would always just try and make myself feel like I was really doing it in real life. And honestly, the, the amount of uh, enjoyment I got out of that um, you really can switch it on essentially with the right mindset. So, you know, in your example, yeah, for sure, GP laps, you know, if he goes into these videos trying to immerse himself in it, trying to feel, you know, try and get that, evoke that feeling that driving that car would actually give you on that circuit, especially with old stuff, it, it, it just adds a certain element, you know, pounding through a forest or an old layout that doesn't exist anymore. Um, it, it can really put you in the moment in that place. So, I, I, yeah, I think for me, it's, it's all about the mindset. Okay, you talk about something important, like uh, say when you're a kid, you you make the real names and everything. Ah, you know what? It's going to sound stupid, but I used to imagine commentaries when I was on the race. You know, have like an imaginary, yeah. you know, imagine, like like someone come. I will I will commentate my own races sometimes. You know, when you are going on the corner or you know, so yeah, I I have a little bit that type of feelings, but. For me, uh, I think, or like you see in the GP labs, I think our the way that we embrace ourselves on the race is very important. And you see GP labs going on a Richard Burns rally that graphically is not the best. So the visual part, the visual part is not is not one hundred percent there because the graphics are really down. And he embraced himself, or or even me, I embrace myself. Flack is a, a real a real game. So I, I don't know. I think. The best part of immersion, I think, is our brain. I think the way that we embrace our sense, I think for me, is the most important part. And in for you get your immersion, let me ask you, which type of software are, and hardware are you using? So um, in terms of, let's start with the game specific or software, I guess, okay. you like, um, I tend to, it's funny that you mentioned like Richard Burns Rally, because for me, I get most of my, I would call immersive enjoyment out of uh, doing proper rallies on Richard Burns Rally, you know, full length, full damage, competing online um, on, you know, and, and having multi-class rallies. It doesn't have to be world rally cars. It can be, you know, club front wheel drive, club level historics or anything. Mm -hmm. And just actually feeling like you're competing in a real length rally against real people on the sim with that realism in terms of the actual car damage and the, I guess, the stuff 
the, the scenario around the driving because the, the driving on Richard Burns Rally is realistic, but it's it's more of the 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 realism of the competition of rally. The fact that you can lose by twenty seconds a stage, but still win because the other guy's going to put it in the tree at some point. Um, so <laughs> that's where I get my immersion and my and most enjoyment from from that side of things. Um, and in terms of hardware, it's difficult. I've never been someone who's put too much. Um, effort into immersing myself i tend okay. to focus on you know being able to have you know a good clean frame rate um just being able to have equipment that's reliable and that works um, and i find myself i immerse myself in a good race in a good event and i don't really pay too much attention to the stuff around me in terms of you know i i've never gone down the route of getting myself haptic uh, chairs or motion or butt kickers or any of these things um and I've got a VR headset. I don't really use it um, because I've, I'm lucky and I'm fortunate to be in a situation where I've experienced a lot of these things across the board. I've, try, I've tried mm-hmm. lots of cool things with traction, but also growing up, I, you know, I got involved in sim racing a lot, went to a lot of events and stuff. And I've, I've had a good try of a lot of these fancy things. So I, I don't need that buzz from my hardware. And you know, I've, okay. I've had that experience. I've enjoyed it. I found it very cool. But when it comes down to the actual the meat and bones of it, what really immerses me is good competition and actually being able to compete and and get completely lost in a good battle or or a, or a good lap, for example, rather than getting lost in feeling, you know, some sensations on your skin that make it more realistic. Hopefully that makes some sort of sense. <laughs> no, no, make, make, make sense because I think is what we we want to talk is what first, first check what is immersion that we've already been talking about on other parts of the podcast, but check how can people get immersion and different types of immersion i'm a little bit more like you i think the motion sense helps a lot but after fatigue me too so we're going to take me more yeah. going to be more the professional part and take the gaming part of uh, of sim racing if i make sense you know because i think sim racing you have the professional part now too and after you have other casual gamers that like sim racing so i'm consider myself a casual i like it but I don't like it. I'm not a professional, so I need to go for more of the casual part. And I think the uh, using of motion sensors, like I said, the, the wind, uh, the wind tunnels, or that that make for the fake wind to give a sense of the haptic pedals. I think it's it's good, but it's already a level that's probably going to take me away from what I what I want on sim racing. That is jump, sit down, easy game to input. Not not tweak every time I I want to do something like a talk. I have to put three. Three programs. Every time you sit down, you have to put three programs uh, working. Make sure that everything is connected. I'm just. I like to put my wheel, play, and do my game. So, uh, what was the craziest uh, hardware that you try? Like you're talking about Traxio in terms of immersion. Which oh. one that you try that make you completely blow your mind? It's a great question. So over the years, I, I tried lots of things at um, the Autosport International Show. Um, big motor okay. show, uh, motorsport based show in Birmingham, and that over the yeah, years a lot of come. professional that, sim companies. Let me, which, yeah, yeah. let me only say that we'll come, we'll come on the week that the podcast was uh, is on. So guys, if you're oh, listening to this one, probably <laughs> we will be on our on the autosport show that 11 to the 14th of January in Birmingham. 
yeah, if you're on your way, hopefully you have a great time. But I've uh, I've attended the Autosports show for many years. I've probably been over 10 times. Um, it's like an annual pilgrimage for me and my dad. And when I was younger, I used to just, you know, try all the sims that were available because lots of these expensive, fancy simulation companies are trying to sell sims to teams, race teams, clients, and all these people. Um, so <laughs> there's kind of a, a bit of a match there. So I did try a lot of really cool, massive, fancy motion simulators that I won't remember the names of or anything like that. But they, they were very, very cool. But I think in terms of stuff I've actually tried and, and remember, um, the, I went to a, a D-Box event um, trying out some D, new D-Box motion systems uh, in association with Fisaro. Um, with I did a traction video on it, so you'll be able to find that if you search for D-Box motion rig and traction. You, you can see what I thought about it. But the, the, it was absolutely incredible, just the, the ability of the motion and the way the motion actually was integrated. Um, when you were doing like a, a rally stage, for example, you could feel every single rock and every bump. Every time you went over a jump, you, you got a double compression, just like, you know, you could feel the front going down, then the back. And it a lot of motion, uh, I feel, tries too hard to just shake you around and make it feel like things are happening that aren't necessarily the real things you'd feel because you're not actually moving very much. Um, and there's so many different, you know, there's no G-forces at play. There's so many differences. But whatever D-Box have done with their systems, they've really managed to, I guess, translate the feeling of the road, the feeling of the surfaces and the changes in the suspension, a bit like a really, really fancy direct drive steering wheel did for the steering wheel market that's what they did in my opinion for a motion rig you know it felt amazing i'm not saying there aren't other amazing ones out there that are just as good i've not tried them all but in my experience that that for me really really blew my mind um you know as much as anything else yeah i have a, a similar uh story like you i i was a kid around i would say early 2000s i don't i cannot say to you which precise year but it's a fair that go around my town very small fair comparing with autosport and it was a company that came with a, a dirty game uh, and they have like a i would say like a motion and for us on that and the early 2000s was completely crazy you sit down on something and vibrated and uh, but it was uh, for me i always felt it was over exaggerated if you, if you know the, the sense of the motions, I think you ne you don't get that uh, sense of motions in on the car the way that you will get there. So I always get a little bit skeptic when it comes to motions. And for when you see videos on Instagram, I think people always put them a little bit too too high what they should be just for looking crazy on a, on a video. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Up in the air, yeah, flying yes. around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, the other thing for me that I found, um, and it was another example I discovered when I was testing the D-Box, was, you know, obviously you can't simulate the actual G-forces in motion to the same extent of a real car, but you can find other ways around that. So for me, when, when I hit the brakes hard in a race car, obviously you get thrown forward and there's G-force there, but actually what you feel is the seatbelts pulling against you because you're you're putting weight on them and pressure on them. So what, what they managed to do with D-Box and Fasaro, the rigs, was, was seatbelt tensioners, which sounds quite simple, but actually just that, that small movement going slightly, you know, slightly forward in your angle, but also having the seatbelt suddenly tension uh, or, okay. or te uh, tense up on you, that actually gave you that perceived feeling of being thrown forward, even though you're not really physically being thrown very far forward at all. So I think there, you know, there's clever ways around it with the technology, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to find very, very clever ways around it if you want to try and create something realistic in that sense, because, you know, you cannot simulate the, the danger, the movement, the forces involved in racing. Okay. And just to finish and to wrap everything, do you think the immersion on sim racing is getting over what is on real life? Oh, that is a great question. Um, I, I think 
you almost have to overcompensate in some ways if you want to try and create the feeling of real racing because there is so much happening. Your senses are an overload in real life when you're actually driving. And, you know, a lot of these things that you feel, um, vibrations and movements and things, don't necessarily happen deliberately. They happen because something's loose or just because there's a bump in the road or, you know, there's so many different mm -hmm. variables at play that you don't get in sim racing. So the sim racing industry is trying very hard to replicate all of these little things and I, I don't think it's a bad thing i think it can be overkill if it's done badly you know if people put the emphasis on on um ext extremities you know moving you very a lot or, or powerful and all these kind of things um it can become a bit too far and i think as well considering the amount of software you need to have these things running properly and the amount of setup work that can be required for me, it's not always worth it. You know, you can just get immersed with good software, a good steering wheel, and just enjoying what you're doing and actually being competitive, racing against real people. That is hugely immersive in itself. So it's definitely beyond what's needed. But at the end of the day, mm -hmm. if you've got the money and you find the best quality of immersion rather than just the fanciest, most extreme looking immersion, um, I, I don't see a downside to that kind of development because if people make mistakes, then people will learn and, and things will get better. So I think if, if you if you showed someone or you as a kid, if I'd have showed you, you know, when you were a kid, where we'd be at now with the rigs and stuff, it would you, your head would explode, you know. So, uh, I, yeah, yeah, I think it's good. I think it's a good thing. I, I always be the dreamer, so not the way that we have now, but I always dream that we will be possible to do some things. And uh, I think some of the things that I always dream that will be possible, we are achieving as a society or as a creation in terms of sim racing. So I think we are going on a good way. Thank you so much, John, for uh, joining me for the odd topic. John will come next month to talk about, again, sim racing news. So guys, leave on the comments. Uh, go to John uh, Twitter and John uh, uh, YouTube that's going to be passing around for giving him some love. And let's see if it, where you can find John on the next chapter. Bye, guys. Thanks. Thanks very much. Bye. Thank you so much for being part of this episode once again, being on the audio platform or on the video one. Remember, next week you're going to have Antonio Felix Acosta episode going to be again available on all the platforms. And if you follow me on Instagram or on Twitter, please have a look on the list of guests that you're going to have for the next couple months. See you guys.